welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, thank you so much, worship team. Uh, my name is Robin, and for those of you who are joining us online, I'm one of the elders here at New Life, and it's, uh, it's a joy to be able to share the word of the Lord with you, and uh, to all of us who are here this morning, thanks for being here. It's good to have you. We've had a pleasant, dry September, haven't we? Some nice, uh, some nice sun back-to-back, which has been really great. Well, the enemy has, uh, has a plan. Enemy has a plan against the people of God. Uh, so the enemy is Satan himself, and then there's the world. And also we have the flesh has an agenda against us, and an agenda to uh, get us to ignore something, to get us to ignore God's leading. And uh, it's, it's a very simple plan. As long as he can keep us in the realm of thinking that we are self-made rather than God-made, then he's accomplished his goal. And actually, that's, that's all he really needs to do. As long as you consider yourself self-made rather than God-made, then you don't have to listen to God. You can just listen to your own perspective. You can listen to what other people in the world say. You can listen to whatever the flesh is leading you to do. And all those things were just going to lead you to death. Really, his, his main objective is for you to do nothing. Right? And this lines up very perfectly with John uh, 15 verse 5, right? Because apart from him, we can do nothing. So as long as you believe you are self-made and not God-made, Satan's won. He's, he's got to win. He's got he's to edge on you. Uh, because the, the opposite is actually the thing that is true. You are God-made. The world values self-made, right? Self-made progress, self-made attention, self-made reputation. As long as you can think in that realm, he's got you. But the truth is, you are God-made. And so since you are God-made, you can concede complete control to the creator. That's an affirmative statement. We can just put it there on the screen. We can concede complete control to the creator. Not only is that exquisite alliteration by myself, thank you very much. But the word concede is the word surrender. So you can, you can do this. And all of us here as good Christians, we say, yes, Robin, yes, we can concede complete control to the creator. Right? It's an affirmative statement. It's easy for you to say yes to that. But to walk away today and actually have that something that is reflective in your lifestyle is difficult. Because you have to submit to that one term that I'm using there. Creator. You are a created being. You have been made with a particular design by the designer. So the term creator is not something that we just scoff at because of self, um, you know, new age terms. You know, people like to talk about the creator and so on. It's not that. We know who the creator is. We know that he is God. We know that he is our only God, but he's the God who loves us dearly and gave his son to die for us. 
the creator, that term asks for submission because you are not self-made. You are God made. And so, yes, you can concede complete control to the creator because that was the design. You can listen to him and follow him when he calls you to leave the land that you grew up in and move to another land and start a family there. You can listen to him and do that. When God says, Hey, I'm going to give you a child when your wife wasn't able to uh, produce any. And then he gives you a child. He says, okay, now go sacrifice that child. Well, you can listen. God says, go to, uh, go to, to India and, and, and create a mission, make, be a missionary and create a, a, a school there and, and teach people to follow the faith in India. You can do that because you can, can see complete control to the creator. That's how you've been designed. You've been designed to listen to him. You can, as an engineer, leave that and, and start a church. <laughs> and I'm using a lot of heroes of the faith here. I'm describing this to you. But all these things are scary. They're, they're terrible in a sense that you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to trust that God is, is worthy of your trust, but that is difficult. It is hard. I understand that because there's so many things pushing against us to make us not do that. But David makes this proclamation in Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24. He makes this proclamation that is so important for us to understand. He says this, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me. That word grievous actually is, is translated as the word pain. See if there's any painful way in me. And then he finishes it off. He finishes off this whole chapter, this whole poem. He finishes off with this and lead me in the way of everlasting a declaration of complete surrender. God, search me, know every painful part of me, everything that I hide from people, every trauma that, that has become my identity rather than you. Search me and know me. And guess what? Now lead me in your way. Why? Because I could trust you completely. How can David make this proclamation? How can he do this? How can he give complete control to the creator? Well, it's because he's looked intently at who the creator is. He's looked at him intently and he's also seen that his design is not a mistake and that it was by love that he has been designed and created because he could see that there's been care and love put into the development of who he is as a person that he knows that this God, this creator can be trusted with his future. So he could say, lead me in the way of everlasting. Isn't that the cry of all of our hearts? that we want to be led by God. Matter of fact, let me just tell you, it is the cry of your heart because it is your nature because you've been created righteous. You've been given a new heart that wants to follow God, that wants to listen to him. You have been given the ability to concede complete control of the creator, but we have trouble doing this because of the battle that the enemy is putting us in to make us feel like we're self-made. But instead, what we're going to do right now, we're going to do what David did. We're going to look into the eyes of the creator. 
We're going to look into his heart. We're going to see what he thinks about us as, as his created beings that he desires and loves so much. And what's that's going to do? I, I am trusting today. It's going to open up your heart to say yes to whatever God is leading you to do. I've been talking right now, and some of you know exactly what God is leading you to do. The things that you have said no to, the things that you're afraid of, the things you don't trust him with. But I'm trusting today when we look at Psalm 139, we're going to look at verses 13 to 16. This is going to push you over the edge. Let's pray. Um, Lord Jesus, I just, I feel really humbled being able to give this message because I know there's a handful of things in my life that, uh, huh, I would rather keep those grievous things to myself. Um, but I know that even in the, in the giving of this, you're going to be leading us right now to hear from you. So let's open up my heart, open up our hearts to hear from you. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So Psalm 139. The psalm often, I'm going to say this quickly before we read it. I know the psalm is often used um, as an opportunity to uh, preach against um, abortion, to, to validate uh, either predestination or the value of human life. And not that we cannot read those values into the psalm. Not that we can't do that, but... The main focus of the psalm is the intention of the psalmist to turn your attention to the character of the creator, to turn your attention to God and to have your heart submit to him. So let's do that first and foremost. And I say that because sometimes people are condemned by this psalm. They're condemned by choices that they have made and they're condemned by how they treated their bodies or how they treated others. And that is not at all what I'm trying to do. Let's instead look into the eyes of the creator and have our hearts changed. Okay. So Psalm 139 verse 13, God says this, or, or, or sorry, David is uh, the psalmist is saying this about God for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Uh, the, the commentators would, would agree that this is David. David is writing this. And at the end of the psalm, he makes that exclamation, God, I'm going to follow you wherever you lead. But it comes from this heart, the heart of this passage, this, 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 this idea that God has so intently created us. I want you to look at that one word, that word uh, formed. So even there, if you look with me, that word formed in, in Hebrew is the word kana. Kana means actually purchased. I, I actually purchased you. It's, 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 an, it's a demonstration of not just I created you, I just made you, and then I walked away. It's an idea of how God has not only created us, but he also possesses us. He has put his mark 
on you. He's put his mark on each and every human being that has ever walked the earth. His mark is on them. We know that. Why? Genesis chapter one, right? Genesis chapter one, uh, verses 26 to 27. I'm just going to read it for you. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. So he put his mark on each and every person so that all over the world, the image of God is, pro- is, is walking around. That all of creation could see what God is like. His glory spreads everywhere. Obviously, the plan of the enemy was perfect in the sense to have us have indwelling sin and have that image destroyed wherever we go. But no matter what, the image is there. The mark is there. And so we're blessed by this knowledge. We're also blessed in knowing too that this, that, that first Peter makes a lot of sense that he would want none to perish. Why? Because he created them and he put his mark on them. That's why he wants no one to perish. That's why he wants everyone to come to an understanding as much as possible to come to an understanding of faith in Christ so that they could be saved because his mark is on us. This is a beautiful thing for us to know, you know, um, Designer bags, <laughs> designer bags. You know, when I was writing, I was preparing this, I was starting to think about, you know, you know, what's something that has a mark on it that has a lot of value. And I don't know why designer bags came to mind. I don't own any. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and I think there's a, there's a few mock ones in my home. <laughs> but this, like designer bags are very, very expensive. Uh, and, and apparently they're expensive. I can't understand why anyone would need to spend money on additional bags. But anyway, it's like, it's very expensive because these designers will go out of their way uh, to create works of art. Works of art with very expensive, very fine materials. And sometimes the prices on designer bags go up based on the fact that the, this particular designer who is well acclaimed is actually the person who put it together with their own hands. So you might pay more for a designer bag that has actually been designed and created by Louis Vuitton. I don't even know if they make designer bags. That sounds like a designer person's name. Okay. This stuff is expensive. Why? Because they put their name on it. So they've done two things. They've put value in time and they put value in the materials into the creation of the bag. But then they're very intelligent in the sense that they make sure that the value price, the cost of the item is high enough. Why? Because it's going to demonstrate their own value. It demonstrates their value. And so they write, they put the price high and they sell at a high price. And then again, it's not even sold at cost. It's sold above cost to the different retailers so that you buy it at a thousand dollars. That's cheap. Sorry. Thanks. Thanks for, I, I need to know that. <laughs> this is wild stuff. This is crazy stuff. Like why, why is any of that necessary? Because, 
Because we're honestly talking about an inanimate object. We're not talking about a human being with feelings, with a soul. We're not even talking like the, the designers really care about the bag that they've created. God created each and every human being. And he put his mark on them. And they are of incredible value to him. You are of incredible value to God. The designer has put his design and his mark on you. What a beautiful thought. I mean, even in this way, we could see as well that each and every human being, whether they are a believer or not, is connected to God. First of all, by the mark, but also because they have the ability to discern that they've been created by the creator. I mean, even if you look at the human body, I mean, I, I could do a whole sermon on the human body and how amazing God has created it. It, it is not by accident that the body behaves the way that it does. It, it was created to sustain life for as long as possible. And it's been given the impetus to do that and nobody knows how and why and when. It's an amazing thing. And so anybody can look, whether you're a believer or not, look at the human body and say, wow, this is an amazing thing. It's an cre amazing creation. You can look at all of creation and say that. Actually, I, I've heard this too, that, that non-believers, or, or at least I've heard this one statement from a non-believer, that they can go out into creation. They can go out and see the mountains, the Rocky Mountains. They can go out and see the French Alps. Um, this person was a skier. And they can go out and they could see it and they could say, I love being out in nature because there's an otherness to it. You know, there's, there's, there's something about it that makes me feel small and, and there's wonder and there's beauty there. What, what are they talking about? They, 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 could, they could know that otherness, but they don't know that otherness personally. They could see that, that everything that's been made has been made with absolute intention and it speaks to something inside of them. That's why Romans chapter one, verses 19 to 21, it's so important. Let's just read that together, okay? Actually, I'm going to read it to you. It's going to be on the screen. For what can be known about God is plain to them, is unbelievers, because God has shown it already to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been already made. So Paul says they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Can you imagine that our connection to God is so deep that even those who do not know him personally can still come to an understanding you see, we are intimately connected to the creator, intimately connected to him. Ecclesiastes says in the heart of every person is the desire for eternity. We have been given this unique connection to the creator. I think the other day, uh, um, uh, Someone brought their, their iPhone out and I was like, I need to get access to your internet. 
So they brought their iPhone out and I had my Mac and I opened them. I'm like, what's your internet password? Like, oh, I don't even remember it. Oh, wait, I think the phone will just connect it to your, int- to the, to your Mac. And I'm just like, really? And they just brought it out and it just connected. I was like, what? I'm just like, honestly, I don't even know how it does that. Like, that's crazy. It just made it work. You might know how that works, but again, we're talking about inanimate objects created by us human beings, which is only a reflection of the one who's created us. So intimately connected. God has designed us in this way. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But the interesting thing with this is that how much more if each and every human being, even if they are an unbeliever is connected to God and they can sense God and they can know God in this way that they have his mark on him and they are created by him then how much more us who are in the faith, us who have actually been made now new creations in Christ, how much more are we connected to God and intimately connected to him? I mean, how much more are we who have actually been now purchased by the blood of Jesus? There was a price given. There was a price paid so that we could be connected to him. See, we can concede complete control to the creator. We can follow his leading. Why? Because he is with us in everything. And not only that, he knows us personally. He knows your personality. He knows your hurts. You are not a child of trauma. You are a child of God. You're not a child of pain and suffering. You are a child of God. You are not a child based on what uh, you're not a child of, 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 of neglect and abuse. You are a child of God. You are connected to him. You've been designed by him to know him. And he knows you personally. I just want to go to one, um, one word here uh, in this, in this verse that we just read, uh, going back to uh, verse 13, it says your inward parts, your inward parts here actually can be translated as kidney. And it actually was a, a poetic term of saying the, the deep um, moral and emotional center of a person. And otherwise it's talking about your soul. So God has actually formed your soul, the part of you that thinks and feels and makes decisions. And if you put those three together, that's your personality. Psalm 33 verse 15 says, God has formed the hearts of men. Again, this is a description of your soul. He has formed your personality. The one who is intimately connected to you has put every bit of you together with purpose. And so you are never, ever alone in what you're experiencing and feeling he is with you in it. And how much more we who are in Christ. So if, he, if this is the case, we can follow him. We can listen to him when he calls us to do the things that are scarier. that are a little more risky. Maybe aren't as appealing to others. We can listen to him in that. Well, let's keep going. Okay. Let's look right now. Um, we just looked at Psalm 139 and we looked at verses 13 and 14, but let's look at verse 15, which I think is really interesting. And what we're going to see here is that we can concede complete control of the creator because we've been intimately valued by the creator. This part's going to bless you. Okay. So let's read that together. So it's verse 15. Okay. So he says this, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret intricately woven 
in the depths of the earth. So the word frame can be tent poles. Actually, it was a word used to describe tent poles. So in other words, your skeletons, we're talking about the body. Okay? So this, this frame was not hidden from God when it was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So, so your body in the darkness formed by God, intricately woven. And this word secret is actually this word that means no distraction. God was alone giving complete focus to the development of your what? Your body. He had, he had complete intent in the way that your body was made. And this word depth of the earth is also another poetic term to describe what it means to be made within the womb. So it's kind of a parallel with what we just read about being formed in the mother's womb. Okay. Intricately woven. Anyone ever done embroidery or, or crocheting or anything like that? I'm going to use a bunch of words. I've known nothing about <laughs> these things take time. So in the secret place, without distraction, God intricately made you. No mistakes. There's not a part of your body in the way that it is designed to develop and grow to the point that it's at now. That is a mistake. It was intricately woven and made. So yes, listen to me. You can actually concede complete control of the creator. Why? Because you've been intimately valued by God. There was time put into you. God must have spent little more time on you. Who sings that? Instinct. Anything. <laughs> right? A little more time? No, he spent a lot of time on you. Let me paint this picture. You know, my, my, my daughter, Mahalia, she, she likes crafts and there's lots of crafts. So many crafts in the house. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> You're laughing because you understand where I'm going to go with this. Parents, crafts from school, crafts from Sunday school. Listen, guys, crafts from VBS. And then she makes her own crafts because she just loves crafts. And there's crafts everywhere. Glitter, googly eyes, hot glue gun glue on the ground. Like, like there's not a marker in our house that has a cap on it. Let me on. There's not, there's not one. She loves to make stuff. But the amount of stuff is too much. And there's so much pressure on parents. Come on, parents. I'm going to talk to this side, okay? <laughs> Come on, parents, you understand. You can't handle that many crafts, right? Because what are you going to do with them? I can't show immediate value to each and every one of these things you make. There's got to be some of them are more valuable than others. So let me be honest with you, this side, some, some of them I throw out, okay? No, no, some of them I throw out. Can I get an amen to that? Because I can't keep all of them. There's too many. <laughs> Mahalia, um has this habit every once in a while where she just disappears. I'm like, where did she go? It's happened to be twice actually, where I've gone to find out where she was, her door was closed, open the door, and she's like, daddy, close the door. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
what's going on in here? She's like, close the door. I'm like, okay, fine. Close the door. I'm like, later she comes out with this craft. And she's like, I made this for mommy or I made this for you. Oh, it's so sweet. I know. <laughs> I know it's sweet. So I've decided something. I've decided that the crafts that are made in secret, hear me guys, the crafts that are made in secret, that are made with intention for whatever reason, they're not made in a crowded room with lots of kids screaming and yelling or whatever, and you know, maybe you could discern what the giraffe is in the Noah's Ark picture. The, the ones that are made in secret, those are the ones I'm like, okay. This one I'm gonna hold on to. This is the one that I'm gonna show you when you're a teenager. I say, thanks for making this for me. That was so cool. I remember when you made this. It's made in secret without distraction. Your bodies are not to be devalued. Uh, the Near Eastern world and antiquity said that the body was carnal. It was, um, it was carnal and because it can be disposed of, it can die. And so, you know, do whatever you want with your body, but your spirit, you know, like your spirit is, is higher. It's going to, it's going to leave the body. So, so do a lot of spiritual things, but do whatever you want with your body. What does it matter? It's one view of the body. Our culture is much different. Our culture says, no, no, no. The body's everything. You gotta look a certain way. It's gotta, it's gotta, have a, you know, a six pack and it's got to have, you know, it's got to have these certain muscles got to have the certain tone, you know, and, uh, and you can't be this weight and you can't be that weight. And you, you have to have your hair like this and you have to have a lot of hair and not too much hair or, or whatever. And it's like, all of these things are being shaped by humanity to put us into a box so that we can be valued according to the world standard. And so it could social media, primarily and many other things can make you feel like your body is a piece of trash and that there's something wrong with you. And so we're not going to go to any extreme. We're not going to go and be over here and say, well, whatever, just do whatever you want with your body. And, and, and no, we're not going to worship the body and worship the world's value of what the body should look like. We're going to have God's perspective because God said this, I intricately made the, your body the way that it is on purpose. I, I, I've done this on purpose and, and it is good. It is not bad. Value your bodies. We don't worship self-care. We have self-care. We take care of our bodies. Why? Because God made it with value. We have God's perspective, not the world's perspective. And so for this reason, we don't have to listen to what the world says about how we conduct ourselves, but we can listen to what God says. We can have complete we can't conceive complete control of the creator. Why? Because we've been intimately constructed and, and we are intimately valued, our bodies, by God. This is a beautiful, wonderful thing for us to understand. But then how much more, again, us who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, how much more these bodies that now have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Let me remind you, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 
How much more of this? We have to understand this. Verses 19 to 21 or 20. Or do you not know that your body that has been intricately woven in a secret place by God without distraction is also the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't need the world's perspective, right? We need God's perspective. You are not your own. This is what Paul says. I'm not saying it. This is what Paul says is the word of God. You are not your own. You've been made by God. You've been bought with a price. So God says, glorify God with your body. Sometimes we're in a habit of doing shameful things with our body because we have shame about who we are. We have shame about our value because we look to the world to discern our value. No more. Let it stop now. You have been bought with a price and the price was the eternal blood of Jesus. So glorify God with your body. Yes. Can you concede complete control of the creator? Yeah, absolutely. Because you're not your own. You're not self-made. You are God-made. Well, let's keep reading. Let's hit up verse 16. So let's look at verse 16 together. Because not only have we been intimately connected by God, we've been made to be that way. We've been very intimately valued by him. We're also intimately considered by him. So let's read it together. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. This is a very important verse for us to understand. Your unformed substance basically is the word golem. Golem meaning basically your embryo. God has seen your unformed substance and get this in your book. God has a book, a scroll recording every day of your life. They were already written. Every one of them, every day that was formed for you. When as yet there was none of them before you lived it, it's been done. He's written it out. So he has a record of your life. That's why we don't fool around when we say he is the author and the finisher of your faith because your story has been written. It's a beautiful thing for us to understand. Even if you look at Jeremiah chapter one, verses four to five, I'm just going to turn them. Maybe we have it on the screen, but this is Jeremiah, like talking about God's call on his life. And Jeremiah says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying before I formed you, even in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So even more so God is aware of what he's called us to do. And it's confirmed by this. So your past, your past, he is aware of what you've experienced. He's aware of everything that has come up to that has made you who you are to this point. Every, every failure, every Um, experience of pain, every experience of abuse. He's seen it all up until this point. He's aware of it. And guess what? Your past is purchased. He's purchased it on the cross, but guess what? Your future as well, your future, everything that's upcoming. He's already gotten that taken care of. He's already written it out. 
And God is above time. He doesn't, he, is, he, is, he doesn't submit to time. He's the author of time. And he also said this. He said, I am, I am. In other words, what? He's the God of the present. But the enemy wants you to be concerned with being self-made. So he wants you to be concerned about everything that didn't go your way and obsessed with your past, obsessed with who wronged you and why they did it and, and why you deserve that or why you deserve revenge. And he wants you concerned about your future. Oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to my body? Who's going to love me and respect me if I do this? What's going to happen with my job? What's going to happen with my kids? God, I can't control my kids. I want to, but I can't control them. What's going to happen? What if they, what if the choices that they make doesn't make me feel good? Doesn't make, doesn't look good to me. It's not what I chose for them. I can't control the future. So the enemy wants you to be concerned about being self-made in the future, but you are not self-made. Say, I'm not self-made. You're not self-made, you're God-made, and your story's already been written. And so the one who is I am, which is a present verb, is in the present. And he is concerned with your right now. He is with you in the right now. He's in the future. The past has already been written and done, but he is with you in the right now. You are not alone, and you will not Live a life, you don't have to live a life of feeling misunderstood. You have one who understands every part of your journey and is with you in it and is looking at you now. And, and, and here's a key word, attention. How many of us felt like we didn't get enough as kids or we didn't get enough in the right way? Or what if we, we feel like even now we're not getting the attention that we feel we deserve? God's full attention is focused on you. He is not submitted to time. He knows the whole story. He's not concerned about tomorrow. He's in tomorrow. He's with you right now. You have his full attention. And so you might be looking at something that he's leading you to do and say, I am afraid of stepping out into that. But you don't have to be. You can see complete control to the creator because you've been intimately considered by him and you are intimately considered in this moment by him. He's thinking about you. His mind is on you. He smiles at you. For what reason would he have to frown on his blessed chosen that he's made righteous in Christ by his blood. And so he can be trustworthy because he knows the story and he's been part of the story. You know, um, there's a story of this pastor before he became a pastor, he got, um, he got a, a, a debilitating uh, digestive disease. And uh, he was really, you know, having a hard time with it. He had to change his diet and all these different things had to happen. And it was kind of maybe even in some ways a kind of a humiliating disease. Uh, and, he had a, and he had a friend and his friend said, you know what? I see you going through this journey of having to change your diet. And he said, you know what? I'm going to change my diet too. Everything that you have to eat, I'm going to eat the exact same thing. I don't have to do this, but you don't have anyone to do this with you. So I'm going to do this 
with you. And so his friend walked along with him and he said, it doesn't necessarily change the circumstances, but it was the, the encouragement. It was the sustenance. It was the, Oh, I could get up and do today. Ness that he needed because he had someone to journey with him. When he stepped into full-time ministry as a church planner, he said, this guy, I want you to be on the team with me. Not, not a pastor, but I want this guy on the team with me because he knows what it's like to suffer alongside people. Your perspective on God and how he sees you and the value of your body, the, the value of the reasons why you've been made, the value of your personality, the way that you view it, that perspective will determine how you go through life. And we can have a changed perspective and be able to face the future. Why? Because we don't only have one who is the I am who's in the moment with you, but we also have Jesus. Jesus is the one who Hebrews says is our high priest because he suffered everything that we suffered. He was tempted in every way as we are. And he knows the pain of our journey. And he has given us not only his presence, but the presence of his spirit within us to journey with us in whatever we're experiencing. And so we can have that get up and try againness every day because the spirit is there and we know that he knows what we're going through and he knows what we need. Philippians chapter four, verse 19. It's, it's everything that, that we sometimes need to understand. The, our God can fulfill all of our needs. Maybe not all of our wants, though we understand very well that not all of our wants are what we need, but God will satisfy each and every one of your needs in Christ Jesus. That's the beauty of Philippians chapter four, verse 19. He loves you dearly. He's created you with purpose and he considers you and journeys with you in everything. See, we can see complete control of the creator because we're intimately connected to him. We're intimately valued by him, intimately considered by him. But obviously the next toughest question as we close is what if what God wants, it's not what I want. What do I do with that? Let's look at this verse here that I think is important for us to understand as we close. Psalm uh, 37 verse four. You probably know this really well. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh my goodness. I love this verse. That means God will give me whatever I want. Yes. Finally, a verse that justifies what I want. Okay, this is great. So all I have to do is delight in the Lord. Okay, what does that look like? Let's let me do it. And I feel sometimes that we take the opportunity to just breeze over this verse and not really take it in, not really designed to, to uh, align ourselves with it, especially with a new covenant view, because guess what? It's the desires of your heart, right? That's the subject matter, your heart. Well, in the new covenant, you've been given a new heart. You've been given a new place, a new moral center, You've been given a new spirit that is submitted to God. So guess what? In that way, God has already given you the desires of your heart, the desires to go where he leads you, 
the desire to step into whatever he's called you to do, the desire to listen to him and, and, and to actually do what? To delight yourself in the Lord. He's actually given you the desire to do that, to submit to him. He's already given it. It's a beautiful thing. What if God's new heart for us has given us all new desires? That changes everything. That means that we submit now to being God-made and no longer self-made. That means we, we acknowledge the truth of the gospel, that we can actually follow wherever God leads us. And not only can we do that, but we could trust where he's leading us. And we could trust the desires that he's given us, the desires to do good. And we could change our postures for a posture of self-protection. To a posture of Lord, whatever you've called me to, whatever painful way is in me, I surrender my life to you. Lead me in the way of everlasting because you are trustworthy with the pain of my heart, but you're also trustworthy with the future because you've written it all out and it's done. We can have the exact same exclamation as, uh, as David. I want to leave with this quickly. Okay. Some more about the kids. Uh, we have, uh, we, we have this thing before we're done. We have this thing at home where the girls have this bedtime routine. And they're like, okay, dad, like pray for us, but then throw us onto the bed. So what they like is they like me to like pick them up and then just be like, like throw them onto the bed. Now, listen, guys, I know I already got bad parent points with the whole throwing out the crafts thing. <laughs> But, you know, I'll put up some cushions against the wall and stuff like that. Okay, like, and then like, okay, girls, I'm just going to, and it's a very gentle, it's a very gentle throw. It's a very like, okay, there you go. And they just love it. They think it's crazy. They think it's so much fun. But in the beginning, what they used to do is they, they would ask for this, like, dad, I want to do this. Do it, like, like throw me in the air and then let me land on the bed. But then they would grab onto my shirts. <laughs> So, so here I am, I'm in full throw and I'm going down, I'm like landing on it. It doesn't work. And then sometimes, sometimes like, like one of them would just go rigid. just like, like this, right in the middle of throwing. And it's like, it's not going to help me. Like I lose balance. And even when I throw them, it, it's, it's just dangerous. So I say, listen, I understand that you want to have this fun, but you got to listen to me. You got to change your posture. You got to change your posture towards this. I know you want this, but it's not going to happen safely unless you change your posture. So just relax and let me try it. Let me do it. So, so now we go ahead and throw, they, they think it's so much fun. They love it. They fall on the bed, no broken shoulders or anything that no broken wrists. Um, and it's good fun for them. And I said, I love doing that. But even in the midst of that, um, I was reminded even recently that sometimes my posture towards God's leading is inhibiting what he wants to do. And he's patient. He's patient. He's patient. Okay. Maybe, maybe you don't want this right now. That's okay. I'll come back later. But every once in a while, when I say, okay, fine, I'll follow your leading on this. I realize what I actually wanted was to be led by him. What I actually wanted in my heart, my new heart, the desires of my new heart to follow him were satisfied when I actually did it. And I realized, oh, this is what I actually want. I want to be led by you. I want the joy of understanding 
what it is to trust the father with every new step. And so I'm learning to change my posture. And for some of us, changing your posture to God's leading might come in different forms. It might come in respecting your body. It might come in respecting the way that God has made your personality. It might come in the fact that you need to trust yourself with others. It it might actually come in the sense that you need to surrender maybe the respect that you felt like you deserved. And then in that we can allow God to lead you. And I'm, and I can't promise an outcome, but I know for sure that the, the heart that you've been given will only be satisfied when it's satisfied in him because you've been made by the creator. And so you can concede complete control to him. Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, a lot of words to describe something that's just actually so simple, Um, but we have trouble with it. So I pray that every obstacle to receiving this word that you would remove it and uh, open up our hearts to, um, to your leading today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.